Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church and School in Blackhawk, South Dakota, is happy to share God's Word preached for you by Pastor Randy Sturzenbecker. We pray that you will rejoice in Christ crucified and resurrected for you. The waters of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the forgiveness of sins, all for you, from Jesus. The Old Testament reading for this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses, or chapter 10, verses 12 through 21. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statues of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all of it that it is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your father and chose their offspring after them. You above all people, as you are this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribes. He executes justice for the far less and the widow, and loves the souvenir, giving him food and clothing. Loving the souvenir, therefore, you are where souvenirs in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. This is the word of the Lord. Please lead along with me the catechetical review found in your bulletin. The close of the commandments. What does God say about all the commandments? He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their sins of the Father to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love and keep my commandments. Five through six. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all who break these commandments. Therefore, we should fear his wrath and do not anything against them. But he promises grace and every blessing to all who keep the commandments. Therefore, we should also love and trust in him and gladly do what he commands. The epistle for this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and other brothers Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sacrificed in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God they were given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and in all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in the spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who will sustain you to the end guiltlessly in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sing together the gospel, alleluia. The Holy Gospel for the 18th Sunday of Trinity from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. I would invite all of our children to please come forward. Good morning. Great to see you all this morning. You know what these are? Well, they look like doors. These are models. These have the Ten Commandments written on them. Now, in the Old Testament, Moses, he, had, he was leading God's people, and God said to Moses, Come up on my mountain, and God, with his mighty finger, wrote on stone tablets the Ten Commandments. And Moses took them down to God's people. Now, when we have the Ten Commandments before us, they have a very specific purpose. You know what this is? A tricycle. How many of you know how to ride a tricycle? Yep, some of you even are on a bicycle, right? Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, too. Yep, now if you're riding your tricycle or your bicycle, you know what this is right here? It's the sidewalk. What's the red thing? Do you know what that's called? It's called a curb, right? So if you're riding your tricycle or your bicycle and you turn all of a sudden and you hit that curb, what's going to happen? 
right, you're going to go right over the handlebars of your tricycle or your bicycle because the curb is there to do something. The curb is there to say this far and no farther, right? God's word, the Ten Commandments, are like a curb. The first commandment is what? Do you know it? You shall have no other gods, right? And that's a curb that says you can have one God. You should have one God, the real God who loves you so much that he sent Jesus on the cross for you. That's the only God. See how the the law says this far. You can only have one God because anything else, all those gods are going to lie to you. Now, the, the Ten Commandments of God also have another purpose. What is this? A mirror. A mirror. How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? Yep, yep. What's a mirror do? You can see yourself. Right, right. It shows you if you need to comb your hair or if you're clean, it shows you what you look like, right? When we look at the Ten Commandments of God, they act like a mirror. A mirror. They show us things about ourselves. How many of you have argued with mom or dad in the last couple days? I'd expect almost every hand to go up, right? So when we look in the mirror, what's it say? Does it, do the commandments say anything about listening to mom or dad? Yes. They do. There's a fourth commandment that says, Honor your father and mother. And when we argue with mom or dad or roll our eyes... Guess what we're not doing? We're not honoring our father and mother. And looking in the mirror of the law, it shows us that we have not done what we said, what God said we should do. Now, there's one more thing. If you're traveling someplace and you don't know how to get somewhere, and you find somebody that looks like they know what they're doing, you ask them and then they say, well, if you go right over there, that's what you're looking for. Do you know what that person is called? could be called a guide. A guide shows you where to go, right? So if you don't know where to go, the guide says, go right over here, and that's where you'll find cotton candy, right? And you're always looking for that guide. Well, the Ten Commandments that God gives us are a guide. They remind us of what we are to do. They point us to the fact that, well, unfortunately, we've broken all Ten Commandments, haven't we? We haven't loved God like we should. We haven't heard God's word or prayed like we should. We haven't uh, worshipped like we should. We can go all through the rest of the commandments and find out, looking in the mirror, that I haven't done what God wants me to do. But the guide, the Ten Commandments, point us to something. Do you know what they point us to? Turn around. Look right there on the cross. Who do they, what do they point us to? They point us to Jesus. Now, did Jesus break any of the commandments? No. None. Ever. He kept all the commandments absolutely perfectly. And you know what he did after he kept all the commandments perfectly? He gave that to you. And he said, because I've kept the commandments perfectly, I'm going to give that as a gift to you. So the commandments, they guide us to see Jesus, who has fulfilled and kept all the commandments and given that to us as a gift. So now when God looks down at us, does he see a lawbreaker who is going to go to hell? He sees somebody who's covered in Jesus, who has forgiveness of sins, and Jesus, because he covers us, so does his keeping the law. So the law of God serves as a curb, as a mirror, 
and as a guide to point us to Jesus. Well, let's go to our Lord in prayer, shall we? Dear Jesus, thank you for your law. And thank you for keeping your law for us. In your name, amen. All right, thanks guys for coming up here. And we continue with our next hymn. As you have your hymnals in your hand, open them to page 321. We'll need that in just a moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we thank you for your good and precious gifts. We thank you, Father, for your law that guides us so that we might see the hope and the promise that we have in Jesus who has fulfilled the law for us. Bless us now in the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not a kind or happy story. Unfortunately, it's a very common story. She won't stay home. The bride is not content with her husband. 
She's run off after other husbands time and time again. Her husband waits for her unconditionally. Every single time he's vowed to love her and he promises to do that. He waits for her to come home. She doesn't. Eventually, after all of her resources are gone, eventually when the bride's life is falling apart and there is certain death in front of her, she comes home to her husband. And there he is, still waiting for her, still waiting to love her, still waiting to forgive her, still waiting to invest and to do everything to make this the best marriage possible. He's waiting for her to be his wife so he can be her loving husband. That's the sad story of God's people of God's people over the course of time in their relationship with Him. This is the story of Israel running off time and time again to worship the false gods, even though God that has created them and drawn them together as His people has been faithful to them over and over again. This is the backstory for the Old Testament lesson today that we spend our time on. God has showed his power to his people. He showed them how much he loves them. He has saved them from all of the things that have come to destroy them. They have been slaves in Egypt and God shows his mighty power nine times to Pharaoh. He shows his power on the tenth time. Finally, Pharaoh gets it. When he sees all of those who are in the house of the Hebrews, all of those who were in the houses and the Lamb's blood was on the door, they were spared in the firstborn of every man and animal that was not in the house of the Hebrews died. God showed his mighty power and his love for his people as the angel of death passed over them. He rescued them from Pharaoh and from Egypt. He led them out of Egypt He led them through the waters of the Red Sea. He stood behind them between Pharaoh who was there to kill them so that that the Hebrews would have time to to go through the sea. God continues to stand between his people and the evil and the death that would consume them. He brings his precious bride to the base of Mount Sinai. And there God calls Moses up on the mountain and he gives him the ten words as the Old Testament calls them. We call them the Ten Commandments. Moses has these ten words, these good and precious words and he brings them down to God's people and what does he find? He finds the bride of Christ, the bride of God rejoicing and celebrating but not in God. They had made a false god. They had taken gold and formed and fashioned it with their own hands and they'd made a god in the shape of a calf and they were worshiping that. A man-made idol and they were bowing down to it. They trusted it. They worshiped it. They expected good things would come to them through this idol that they made with their own hands. Seeing how quickly the bride has run off into idolatry and adultery, 
Moses smashes the gift. Moses breaks the Ten Commandments in front of them. How much is enough? That's really the question in the Old Testament reading for today. How long will God love his adulterous and idolatrous people? If you've read the story of the Old Testament, if you read the story of God's people, you will know that this isn't the first time that they've been here, and it won't be the last. If you've read into the New Testament, if you looked into your own life and our lives, you know very well that we still do the same thing. We run off after other gods. We run off and we're searching for another idol and we're adulterous to the God who has called us to be his own dear bride. What we know from the Old Testament and certainly from the New is that God is gracious and he's loving. He's long-suffering. He gives more than second chances. He gives more second chances than anyone ever should. He loves his people. He loves us. Even though that old nature in us still wants to come out, that old selfishness, that old self-centered, adulterous nature in us wants to come back out again. And instead of wrath and destruction, God gives us the ten words again. Moses goes back up on the mountain and he gives him the Ten Commandments and then Moses comes down with them for God's people. In the Old Testament lesson for today, Moses writes something, we heard something this morning that we don't often hear or believe. Moses writes this, And now Israel... What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. You see, Moses didn't just receive the Ten Commandments as God saying, Okay, Israel. Okay, you Lutherans, do it this way or else. God gave the Ten Commandments for our good so that he can continue to love us and forgive us and to lavish upon us the gifts that only he can good. God loves us. God loves his people, Israel. That's why he formed and shaped his people As the Hebrew children, he set them apart by the mark of circumcision, marking them with a very distinctive mark. He gives them the law for their own good. God gives us his good and precious law because he knows a relationship with him has to be protected. If you ask any rancher why they put a fence around all of their hay piles, they'll more than likely tell you the same thing. Because the hay has to be protected. It needs a fence around it to keep the deer out of it because the deer will not just be content to eat at the bottom, they will climb to the top of the pile, they will pee on all the hay to the top of the pile, and then the cows won't eat it. The hay has to be protected so there is a fence around it. The law of God is given to us to protect us from all of the things that would pull us from God's love and his promises. 
The law of God, the Ten Commandments, protects us from our self-centeredness. God's good and perfect law stops us. It warns us of danger. And it points us to God's grace and mercy. Now, if you have your hymnals there on page 321, let's read just the first three commandments, not the what does this mean. Let's read these together. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods. The second commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now we know, we know those, we've heard those, we've memorized those, we've lived with those most of our lives. Here is a short paraphrase of the first three commandments. Love God only, call on God's name rightly, and receive his gifts. That's what the summation of those three commandments is. These three set the stage for the long-suffering and gracious God to love us and to forgive us. The first commandment, love God only. If you're downstairs with me or up here for chapel, when we teach these to the preschool kids, you shall have no other gods. And they, they're so loud that their little ones are covering their ears. We should be that excited about keeping that commandment as well. No other gods. Every time you fear and love and trust in something more than God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your old sinful nature is trying to seduce you. Trying to seduce you to walk out of the gift of salvation and back into your life of selfishness and eternal damnation. The excuses that we use to justify our idols are just an attempt to protect the devil himself who is actively trying to kill you and separate you from Christ. The small g gods that we serve are many. And they look good. You see, that's the great trick of the devil is to take something that God has created that's good and then twist it so that we use it for evil. All of those gods that we serve they can look so good. And we can convince ourselves that following this God is exactly what we need to do. So look at how quickly we run after the God of money, the God of success, the God of security, and the God of control. All of these are good, created by God, but yet when we make them into an idol, they pull us away from trusting in God only. They have as much power to save you as that golden calf did in the midst of the camp of Israel. The second commandment, call on God's name rightly. Our loving Father has promised to hear you. Can you imagine that? The God who holds all time and eternity in his hands, all space and authority is his, and he has promised that every time you pray, he takes time to hear. He wants to hear from you. He will answer you because he loves you. When we're pushed about our prayer life, though, here are the excuses that I hear, and we've probably all used them. Oh, I don't want to bother God. 
He's too busy for my little problems, which loosely translated is, I really don't think God cares. I really don't think he listens or he answers. And honestly, I have better things to do than pray. God keeps his promises. When he commands us to pray, it's so that he can respond. It's so that he can hear. It's so that he can grant your prayers according to his will. It's so that he can give you peace of mind and strength in all of the challenges that you have in your world. It's to give you wisdom as you look for guidance in this week and month and year ahead of you in your life. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me as a promise from God to you about prayer in the Psalms. The third commandment is simply receive his gifts. It's the first com- in the first commandment, God, the God of the highest heavens on earth, he has introduced himself to us and he said, I want to be your God. I want to give you good gifts. The second commandment, he has promised to hear us according to his will. And in the third commandment, it's just like Christmas Day. All of the gifts are prepared and they have your name on them. All of the gifts are here and they're perfect and they're precious and they're waiting for you. Forgiveness of all of your sins through the waters of baptism that connects you to Jesus on the cross and your sins, all of them, every idolatrous action, every adulterous action forgiven by Christ on the cross. His words of hope and peace and strength preached to you. The very Son of God here in His body and blood for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. There are no gifts anywhere that can rival these gifts and what they give to you. Remember the Sabbath day means that we have reservations. We have reservations at the best feast set by the King of Kings and He is waiting to give you this great feast that He has prepared for you. To refuse that, to say that we have something more important to do, is to mock God. God's gracious invitation and despise the free blood-bought gifts and the eternal forgiveness that he's given to us. That's what happens when we decide that we have something more important to do than to be in God's word or to be where his gifts are given. God's people have always struggled with false gods. We can read that through the history. You can look in your own life and see the same. God giving the ten words, the ten commandments, a second time to his people proves he's long-suffering. He's patient. He is a gift giver by his nature. These first three commandments are all centered in gift. His gifts to save us and to love us. Instead of being impatient or or finally saying, okay, enough, I'm done with you, God sends us mercy. He sends us Jesus, who keeps the law, all of the law perfectly, and then gifts it to you. He sends us the commandments to protect us from wandering into eternal death. More powerful than the ten words are the love that God has when he sends Jesus into our world. He loves us perfectly. 
And then he gives that perfect fulfillment of the law to you as a gift. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The first three commandments show us all that God has done to love us. The next seven show us what we are to do with that love. We take that love with us into the world. We go and we show our neighbor. We love our neighbor. We serve our neighbor so that they might see our hope. So that they might see our joy and our peace because God has done all of this for us. God's Ten Commandments are good. They're holy. They're so that we will be protected and live in His grace and mercy now and into eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now the peace that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord, amen.